Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. So I am, yeah, so I want to, I'm going to, I've got the opportunity to share with you tonight. And the last time I shared was early February. And the idea was um, with Stefan and Henny was that I would preach once a month. <laughs> so that didn't happen. But I, I get very excited and I, I'm as most of you will know, it's very hard for me to preach a message that I haven't felt God doing in me, <laughs> and something that I can really just share out of the overflow of my heart. The funny thing is that what I'm preaching on tonight is something very much in the beginning phase, <laughs> and um, I think that's beautiful because so often we we limit ourselves to ministering, we limit ourselves to, I'll wait when it's done, and then I'll share you know, but God actually, there's, there's in that place of brokenness or in that place of, um, yeah, freedom that God says, I want you to speak now. It's okay if you don't have the full revelation. So I'm going to share with you a few little things, and I really trust that tonight something is going to drop from your head to your heart or, yeah, that you will wo- walk away encouraged. Um, I just want to welcome Philip and Rieta back from Honeymoon. <laughs> It's good to see you guys. <laughs> um, yes. Anyone else come back from honeymoon that I didn't know? No? Okay, great. So, so today, today is Mother's Day, and um, I have if two or three weeks back, I said to Henny, I really feel like it's, my, it's on my heart to preach on Mother's Day. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I've now committed to it. So, God, what is that one message? Because it feels like there's hundreds of messages that I could possibly share. Um, and so I said to Henny, I'm, pre- I'm preaching on this scripture, and it's not the scripture that I'm preaching on. And I had this conversation with him, and he's like, that's such a good idea. Da, 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 da. He ended up preaching on that scripture this morning, <laughs> and I'm not preaching on that scripture. Um, but, but God just, you know, he just said, like, as a mother... Um, what, what have I done in your heart? What's the biggest thing I've done in your heart? And one of the biggest things God has done in my heart is the ability to be present. <laughs> and I've shared a little bit on this before, but I, I want to talk more about it. Um, and I, I, I know it's a message that's not just for the moms. I know um, what I'm going to share and how I'm going to share it is going to apply to you no matter what season you're in your life, um, no matter where God has you for now. Um, I really trust that, that you will, yeah, that you will walk away feeling encouraged, like I said earlier. Um, and so what God just said, what's at the core of that? What's at the core of being able to be present? Um, and... And it's just come down to this message that's formulated is that um, it's, a, it's a place of contentment. <laughs> um, if, I, if I'm at a place of contentment, I'm able to be present. Um, and so I'm sure a lot of you can relate that you experience so much love when someone that you meet, whether it's in the workplace or whether it's a friend or whoever, is with you, and they are fully present with you. <laughs> I think a lot of you can also say on the flip side, a lot of your hurt is pain, and pain has come through a, a parent or someone that hasn't been present. They've done everything else. They've everything else that they were supposed to do, but they were unable to be with you now. Um, and it is what it is. We don't blame those people. <laughs> 
But I think God is really unlocking, he has a key for us um, to, yeah, to walk in a place of contentment. And so before I want to start, I, contentment is biblical. Um, I have a sucker, it's the only thing I had in my cupboard at home, for whoever can quote a scripture. Okay, go for it. Mar- oh, no, no, sorry. Oh, no, sorry. Hello, Mariette. Welcome here. <laughs> it's good to have you. We, I'm lo- looking specifically for the word contentment. <laughs> okay, that's, that, that is a very good scripture. It's not the scripture I'm thinking of. But if no one else comes up with one, you get the sucker. Jade, go for it. Oh, trust the psychiatrist to know that. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Um, so, sure, so I was like, wow, that's, that's really, you can look at my photo there, it's got nothing to do with contentment, it's just Mother's Day, and I, I enjoyed that picture, so, but godliness in itself seemed to not be sufficient, a form of godliness, godliness with contentment is great gain, (laughs) and I looked at, um, the root word of contentment, um, and you spell the, well, that's that word, and it's avdarkias, a state of self-satisfaction. So I was like, surely it can't be what I'm hearing. (laughs) Um, And then I asked the Holy Spirit, and he said, it's not I'm satisfied with self. It's I have an inner satisfaction. Within myself, there is an inner satisfaction, okay? And so contentment is also different to complacency. I just want to say this before I start. Um, Complacency there, a feeling of calm satisfaction with your own abilities or situation that prevents you from trying harder, okay? So I think complacency can keep you in one place, whereas contentment actually causes you to experience deep rest, a deep sense of, I'm okay with who I am. (laughs) I'm okay with, there's something in me that is satisfied. And contentment affects every single one of us. Um, It affects every part of you, your mind, your soul, your your body. I mean, even if you, I've heard medical studies um, where if someone if there is a hatred towards self, you're not satisfied with, with yourself, what you look like, how God has made you, your character, whatever it might be. A self-hatred can cause autoimmune diseases. Okay? So there can be a physical manifestation if you are not satisfied within yourself. Okay? If you're not satisfied in your mind, you know, there's, a, there's a place of not being able to discern correctly. You know, if you're always living in the future, always living there, or the guilt of the past... Um, your, your will, your emotions, you know, that I know many people can relate, but if there's a, a sense of dissatisfaction, then your emotions can deceive you. <laughs> you know, you can, you can make incorrect decisions based on a dissatisfaction. And so, so do you all want to hear what else do I have to say? Are you all like on the page? You want to hear about contentment? Okay. <laughs> Henny's like, you've got to sell it in the beginning, yeah. And I was like, I think all of us want to know the keys to contentment, you know. 
But I don't, I don't have a formula tonight, okay? I, I want you to know that I, um, I felt God giving me four questions, um, and we'll look at the scripture just now. And it was almost like a stock take questions. You know, if you ask yourself these four questions and be honest with yourself around wh- what your answers are in them, um, then there's a place where we can go, sure, maybe I'm not content, maybe I am, and we'll get to that later. Okay, so I just want you to know that... Yeah, this, this for me is just, I hope someone can walk away with something um, that pus- pushes them towards Jesus in pursuing contentment. Okay, so the scripture that I'm reading from tonight is Ephesians 5, 15 and 20 to 20. Um, and the context of this scripture is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, okay? Paul um, ministered in Ephesus for two years um, he loved them so much. He he really became a part of them. And I actually, I just read um, around his relationship with the church in Ephesus. And in Acts 20, um, I, th- I think that a, a true representation of that is his farewell speech to the people in Ephesus when he was on his way. And it says in Acts 20, 17 to 38, um, He says a whole lot of things, and then it says, and then they all wept freely and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him um, as they led him to the ship. And so I think there was a deep love, you know, that the the people of Ephesus had um, for Paul. And there was a place of trust. There was a place of, he was a a father figure. He could speak into their lives. Um, And so he's now in prison awaiting trial, and he's writing the letters to the different churches. Um, and he's had a revelation around the body of Christ. He's, he's speaking to them um, from a place of encouraging them to become all that God has created them to be as, as a church, that, that pure and spotless bride. Later on in chapter 5, he speaks about that. And um, so earlier on in chapter 5, um, just before this, he, he's warning them, actually. There's, he's saying, you know, be, beware of this and beware. And you can go read it for yourself. But then he moves on to giving these keys, keys to a life, you know, of coming to a place of becoming. Um, And I think Paul is a person that we can listen to around contentment. (laughs) I'm uh, um, giving that scripture. In Philippians 4, verse 12 and 4, it says, Peter talks and he says, I'm glad in God, far far happier than you would ever guess. Happy that you're again showing such strong concern for me, not that you ever quit praying and thinking about me, you just had no chance to show it. Actually, I don't have a sense of needing anything personally. I've learned by now to be quite content, whatever my circumstances. I'm just as happy with little as with much, with much as with little. I found the recipe for being happy, whether full or hungry, hands full or hands empty. Whatever I have, wherever I am, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. I don't, my, I don't mean that you, your help didn't mean a lot. It did. It was a beautiful thing that you came alongside me in my travels. And reading, you know, reading something like that and reading the conviction with which he speaks around contentment, I'm happy to receive a few instructions from him. So let's read the scripture in Ephesians. It says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. 
Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, Yeah, so Father, we just thank you, God, that I prayed earlier, God, but I just really, I thank you for hearts to be open to receive from you tonight, Um, and we just pray, Holy Spirit, that you will bring revelation um, as the word is being spoken. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first question I want to hold, I want to ask you is, what is God holding before you now? Okay, the gift of being present. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And, and here I just want to share around, I think it's a big challenge for most of us. Where, where does God have you now? You know, what are you busy with now? <laughs> um, and, and I think to be content and to be satisfied in the moment, in the now, can be really challenging when you are, feel like you are holding the keys to your future. And God is a good God. He's a God that invites you to say, I know your future. I've predestined, I've called you, I have planned you in your mother's womb. And so if we can trust him with that, if we can give him that, we are able to go, God, I'm here now. You know, I'm, I don't like where I am now, maybe, but I'm here, I'm present I'm able to recognize what you are busy doing in me now. And I think this this is often a challenge when it comes to different seasons of our lives. You know, especially I remember when I was in a season of being single, contentment wasn't on the forefront of my mind. You know, I was like, where's that husband? I want him and I want him now. (laughs) You know, and by God's grace, I was able to be present at the same time as holding those promises, you know, before me. And that being okay with the now allowed me to see what God wanted to do in me in preparation for the future, you know. That I often wonder, you know, we so long for God to move us, to bring something to us, to make a change or whatever it might be. But if, if it's from a place of discontentment, then we often have to sustain it when it does come. But when we get to a place of being content and at rest, then there's a place where we know that God sustains what it is. I also think that we busyness just wars against our awareness of God. When your mind is busy, when your heart is busy with emotions and decisions and things that you're doing, you can't walk into a room and recognize the now, you know, you, you, you're aware of that business meeting, you're aware of that proposal that needs to go out, da, 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 and you're walking and you feel something about that person because God's recognized them, but, but I've got other stuff to do. Sorry, I've got to go. <laughs> I've got to do what I need to do. And I think there's a, there's a place of contentment, being satisfied in the fact that he knows what needs to get done to be able to stop and go, God, I want to be a vessel now. <laughs> what does it mean for me to be a vessel right now? Can we stop our hundred things that we need to do today. And, and all of us have had that moment where you drive or you're walking in the street and God says, go pray for that person. I'm sure all of us can so go, no, but this and this and this and that. <laughs> and I think there's a tension in it. 
But I just want to tell you the story of Jesus. I think Jesus was so good at being present. Um, just on the sideline, did, who of you knew Sebrant that was in the car accident and that passed away? Who of you can testify that you felt like Jesus was standing in front of you when you had a conversation with him? It was, it was almost awkward for me, you know, because he would literally look at you and he'd be like, hello, Lauren. And I'm like, no, surely you're looking everywhere else and be like, how are you? You know, like, what is, I'm like, and I'm like, why do you have such an interest in me? You know, why do you, why do you want to know about me? And almost you question someone's motive, but I think there's such, the, Jesus' love is to stop and go, I see you. I recognize you. Who are you? You know, um, instead of this, which I think a mom especially is like a hundred things at the same time, you know, um, not a mom especially, everyone's busy, okay, I think also just want to say that like, I was, I was first single and content, I had to be content in being single, then I had to be content in being in a relationship, then I had to be content in being married, and then I had to be content, you know, in waiting for what children, whatever it might be, I, there's no distinguish. And I think sometimes in our midst, we put people in different categories, you know, and we say they are this or they are that. Um, they're better than you or they're better than you because of what their status is. And I just want to say that's not true, okay? Every single one of us has as, as much of a voice as everyone else. Um, and, yeah, and that's really important to be able to go, I'm, I'm content with where God has me for now, and I'm going to live out the fullness of what he has for me for now. But back to the story of Jesus. Um, so Jesus comes off the boat. I'm just going to paraphrase in, from Mark 5. Um, he, he steps off the boat, boat, and Jarius, the leader of the synagogue, runs to him, and he says, you have to come and pray for my daughter. She's on the brink of death. And he says, okay, and they all follow him, and the whole crowd moves towards his house. And as, they, as they're going, it's the story of the woman with the flow of blood. He's on his way somewhere. There's a destination. But this woman comes and touches his garment, and he's able to be present. He's able to go, God, you know that that child needs healing. But you also know that this woman needs healing. And so I'm not going to fear not missing you in that moment in order to be present for this moment. And he's able to stop and he's able to minister to her. If he, he also in that moment had the fear of God more than he had the fear of man. It was a leader of a synagogue. Imagine what they were saying. Who's G- I mean, he's stopping for this person here. It's the, you know, he needs to go pray for that girl. You know, do, do you know who her father is? Um, but Jesus is more God-fearing than he is man-fearing. And then he gets to her and she is already dead. But then he prays for her, and she's resurrected. And I think there's just many, many stories where we can live in that space. And so the last thing I want to encourage you with, with just this question, is Proverbs 3, 5 to 6, New King James Version says, um, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and you shall, he shall direct your paths. And that for me, that scripture for me has been such, it's such a well-known scripture, but it's literally been the core of my being when I want to run ahead, when I want to, when I'm busy with stuff, then I can stop and I can go, Holy Spirit, I I recognize that you're doing something. 
whether it's a seasonal thing, whether it's a now moment thing, whatever it might be, I can recognize that you're doing something. And if I trust that not in my own understanding on what I should be doing now, (laughs) but I trust in you, that you will direct my path in that thing which is important to me, if that makes sense. Um, And so there's really a place of being able to trust God to go ask him, where do you want me now? What's, What's happening Am I okay and am I content with the now? The second question is, what are you holding on to? The will of the Father. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Um, I think what we're holding on to can, can either lead to contentment or discontentment. Um, and I first just want to talk, talk there about um, are we possibly holding on to dreams, visions, prophecies, desires um, more than we're holding on to what God's will is for now? Okay, That is also God's will. <laughs> those things, if those prophecies, prophecy can be very encouraging. Who's, I mean, I think I'm sure most of us can say our life has changed through prophecy, but there's also dist- our lives can also be destroyed by prophecy if we're holding on to that thing, assuming that it looks a certain way. Because we, people prophesy in part. Um, people also, we will bring our own interpretation to prophecy. And this is something that happened to me um, was when I was in my 20s and I think people just found me. I don't know. I was in the right place or the right time, but people prayed over me <laughs> a lot, and I was very thankful. But one of the things that came through was you will speak, um, you will speak to thousands, okay? And this was something that came through a few times. So what does that look like? In my mind, that means, oh, okay, I'll speak in a stadium one day where there are thousands, or I'll speak at a women's event, you know, and I'll say yes to that, or I'll say no to that, or I'll, do you know what I mean? You can, you can quickly align contentment or happiness or satisfaction when that thing comes to pass, when it looks that way. And recently, out of the blue, I got an um, email from the woman that owns Radio Pulpit, and she emailed me and she said she'd love to do a radio in- interview on me. Um, and I thought, that's strange, okay. <laughs> but, you know, she just said she'd like to do a radio interview on um, about Wholeheartedly Free, a book that I did a few years ago. And as I told Stefan this, he said, oh, you will be speaking in front of thousands. And I had a light bulb moment. I was like, wow, God, you are so good, <laughs> you know. And so I think I just want to just challenge you. Don't let, um, I wrote something down here. I said, um, you, know, don't, you know, don't let holding on to a prophecy or a desire or a dream, even just a dream for your life or a vision, replace the coming to God daily, <laughs> Replace coming to him for the thing that he wants to give you today. Okay. Um, then understanding the will of God. I, it, it doesn't say knowing the will of God. It says understanding. And I actually spoke to Stefan about this, and he gave me some good input. He said, knowing the will of God <laughs> is... I went to Stefan because Henny wasn't here. He was overseas for two weeks. So... <laughs> um, He said, knowing the will of God is knowing what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. Understanding is knowing those things in the context of who God is. And I was like, sure, you know. 
Understanding the will of God moves us from a place of the directive will of God into the discerned will of God. And when we are young believers, often God speak to us, speaks to us in a quite directive way. Who likes that? I love that. I'm like, tell me what to do, when to do, and how to do it. But then he moves you into a place of maturity where he says, I want you to learn to discern what is my will by knowing my heart, by living out biblical principles, you know. And I think often for every big decision in our life, we're waiting for our directive word for the will of God. But actually, he's just saying you're old enough and mature enough <laughs> to make that decision um, on your own. And so I think often that can also bring discontentment, you know, is when, am I in the will of God? Am I not? You know, this anxiety, this almost depression, actually. Um, and God, God satisfies us when we are in obedience to his will. There's no better place. There's no deeper sense of satisfaction and contentment when you know where you are, where you should be, okay, where God has you. Okay, I think also when, you're on a, when you are in a place of contentment, you're able to actually directly, dis, you correctly discern, not directly, correctly discern what the will of God is, okay? Because if you are dissatisfied, then you're going to try and satisfy by assuming what it might be. Does that make sense? But I think when there's a place of satisfaction and contentment, you can actually sit back, okay? There's a community of believers here. In the, in the counsel of many, wisdom is found, and so even just in the council of your small group, you know, talking to people, I, I wanted to stop something many a times because I knew it was God will, God's will, but I didn't want to do it, <laughs> you know. And I knew that he actually is working with a much bigger purpose and a much bigger plan, and in a way that was liberating. <laughs> um, but in, in a way as well, I had to trust the people around me to help me discern what the will of God was. Because I think we, we get confused often by a lack of peace and fear. A lack of peace maybe is not the will of God. But fear can still be the will of God. Because he maybe wants you to overcome that fear by living out what he's calling you to do in that moment. Okay. Let's move on. The third, the third question um, is, oh, sorry, I just want to quickly say um, on that, the previous one, Proverbs 16 verse 9 says, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. And I wrote you, you won't miss the perfect will of God if you are willing to engage, engage him in the next step. And so planning and dreaming and having visions and having prophecies is not a bad thing. But if you're willing to engage him and say, God, what, what's the next step? He will direct your next step. Okay. Um, the next question, what are you being held by? Um, so there it says, do not get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. The one is going to simply numb the discontentment for a moment <laughs> or give a false sense of satisfaction. And the other is going to point you towards the one that brings true satisfaction. Okay. So it doesn't say there, um, do not drink wine. Okay, so for all of those that drink wine, <laughs> it's saying do not drink wine in excessive wine. And I, I almost want to challenge you and say, what else can you put there? <laughs> okay. 
excessive exercise, excessive work, excessive achievements, excessive children, excessive relation. <laughs> Those people that have lots of children. I once, someone, I told them I want four children. Four children's not a lot. Does anyone think four children's a lot? I mean, I'm, okay. Ooh, Jan Louis and Corey, you on the same page, eh? Okay. <laughs> someone once said to me, oh, you're a typical missionary person. You know, you want lots of children. And then I was like, no, that's not my reason for it. I think those people actually understand something about being fruitful and multiply. But, but anyway, so, but it can, you know, I think people can find fulfillment. They can find satisfaction in their children. Do you understand? You can find satisfaction in anything in an excessive amount. And it says, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I want to take you to Romans 8, 14 to 17. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And I don't know about you, but the deepest satisfaction and the deepest contentment I've experienced is when I know who I am in, in Christ. When the Spirit has pointed me towards Jesus in a time we have, have really been dissatisfied, have really been discontent or not happy about something, and he has pointed me to say, but this is the reason. <laughs> this is the reason for your dissatisfaction. It's based on something from your childhood. It's something that you believe, something that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. And I want to transform you so that your, re- your expectations become realistic. <laughs> you know, And there's a, there's a place where God just... Where, where if we are sons, then there is a father. And it means that we're not just building our own kingdoms, but we're building his kingdom. And I, I, I've been at that place before where I'm building my own kingdom. And it is so not satisfying. There's so not a contentment. But when you partner into the kingdom, when you partner in taking back that ground and living out the call of God together with a group of other believers as a body of Christ and you see heaven come down to earth and you see the kingdom of God and you see change, there's a contentment, there's a satisfaction inside of your heart. I think also knowing who you are, knowing your identity results in, in discontentment um, being brought to the surface. Because you are able to have healthy boundaries. And often if you don't have healthy boundaries or you're unable to recognize a situation where you've been falsely accused or treated unjustly, that brings anxiety. That brings a lack of contentment. It brings a lack of joy. You're able to stand back and go, this is not my portion. (laughs) This is not what God has for me. And then God settles again that contentment in your heart. He says, no, it's not. (laughs) No, you shouldn't stand for this. No, you shouldn't allow that. Or he says, you're a son, pursue that. You're discontent with where you are because maybe you're being complacent. Maybe you're too scared to take that big step. Maybe you don't want to do that thing because it requires so much faith. He's saying, but I'm the father. I back you. I provide. I know what you want. I, I know, I've placed that desire in your heart. You know? And so there's a deep place of contentment that comes with that. I think also what happens in that is that there's a lack of comparison Okay, when you know who you are in God, you know what your portion is, you know what the character is that God's given you, you can be content in that instead of going, but I want what she wants. I want that life. I want that now. And God says, but this is what I have for you, and this is good. And so it, it, 
realigns our expectations to God's purpose. And often when we see that and we know that, we, we can recognize that, it's, that it is actually good. But the enemy will keep you in a place of going dissatisfaction because only if you had that and only if you could do that, you know, then you would experience contentment. Only when you reach there, only when that comes to fulfillment. Okay. The last thing, um, the last question is, what are you holding before God? It says giving, um, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God, the Father, for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Sure. I don't know about you, but that's, that's quite hard. <laughs> I mean, he's saying always, you know. Always giving thanks to God, the Father, for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Luke 6 verse 45 says, A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I don't think God would put that always there if it was unattainable. But there's a key there. There's a key that I believe that if, if, if we are finding contentment in the right place and we are at a place of going, God, at the foundation of everything, in all things and in everything, you are good. If you don't believe that God is good, you are unable to say thank you for the difficult situation. You're unable to say thank you for the suffering that I'm going through because surely this should be punishment. Surely this can't be God. And God didn't, I want to reiterate, God does not bring suffering for the sake of suffering. Okay? If the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, God will use it and turn it around for the good. But if we don't believe at the core of our being that God is good, we are unable to say, thank you. We're unable to go, God, sure, this is, you know, thank you for that. And I think there's a place of, I'm going over my time. Thank you for helping me with that. Okay. I'm going to conclude now. What is the time, by the way? Quarter two? Half past. Perfect. It's great. Thank you. I wanted to end at 22, so. But, um... I know in my life, <laughs> especially towards Stefan, if I'm dis- dissatisfied, he hears it. You know, <laughs> I'm not happy that you haven't picked up this. I'm not happy with the way you do that. I'm not happy with that. But is my expectation on him to be a certain way? Am I, is my heart aligned to what expectations I have on him or not on him? Is there contentment in my heart? Am I, am I satisfied with what God has, me, has for me for now? And I've seen this shift in my heart in the last four, year, four months. Some people have said to me, I know Mason, after I came back from the holiday, she said, there's such a contentment. Or I think it was Jacques and Elizabeth. And it literally impacts the, the relationships closest around, closest around me. Because poor Stefan, his grace towards me. <laughs> And his love for me 
you know, that, that I can complain, you know, and I can complain. And I, if I look back, I really think it's, it's, it's really not that big a deal. But the issue is not with him. The issue is with me. The issue is with what is going on in my heart, you know. And I, I know one of the big things for God, that God has had to do in me was in being a mom, as much as I love being a mom, and I absolutely, I, I, I am getting the opportunity to do that full time, which is a blessing. It's not for every woman, every mother, but for me it's a blessing. But the enemy kept me in this place of discontentment because what about the other gifts, Lauren? What about your gift to be a visionary? Does that get used in mothering every day, two small children? What about your gift to activate? What about those gifts? What about, and I, I was living in this place of guilt because surely I wasn't bringing honor to God by not bringing those gifts And so what I was doing is I was seeing these projects and I was seeing things that needed to be done and where I needed that project needs. And I was constantly on the run, you know, and I was like, I've got to get put there and I've got to do this and that. And God just came to me and he said, I give you full permission to stay at home and be present with your children and I will bring the people to you that need your gifts. And there was just this, there was just this contentment, this satisfaction, this place of wow, you know. And he just, he just said, because what do you want? What do you truly want? And I was just like, I want you, Jesus. I want you. I want to be a good mom. I want to be, I'm an entrepreneur by heart. <laughs> I'm always coming up with business ideas, and then I chat to Stefan about it, and then some I act upon, some I don't. There's a lot of, there's a calling for me outside of mother, motherhood, if, if that makes sense. But I need to be content with where I'm at for now and trust God with those visions and those dreams and those things that he has, that he holds those things in the palm of his hands. And Paul says, talking about Paul who confesses his contentment, he finishes off, I mean, he, he writes this piece of a scripture in Philippians 3 that just sums up the root of that contentment. <laughs> It gives us that final key. Now, we can ask ourselves these questions and maybe like, shucks, I'm, I'm not actually holding the will of God at the forefront, you know. Or, you know, maybe I am trying to satisfy m- myself with something outside of the presence of God and the love of God and who. And that's okay. I want to I say it's okay. I, I feel like God is, God's going to do something tonight. And there's hope for that. But he says in the NIV version, Virgin, virgin, virgin. Is it virgin? Virgin, not virgin. Sorry. I keep on making that mistake. I should never just tell you what I'm reading from. Oh, excuse me. It wasn't a virgin. It was, yeah, a virgin. I, okay, it says, <laughs> but whatever were, what he says, but with the but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. And then he, that's when he says, I had nothing and he was still content. 
But I consider consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. His satisfaction is not in his own ability to attain that contentment and self-righteousness, but his righteousness comes from God on the basis of faith, basis of faith. That is righteousness in Christ and God, God is who he says he is. And he defines me to be who, I, who he had in mind. He says, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. At the forefront of Paul's mind and his heart was to know Christ. That was, that was the desire, that was the hunger within him. That hunger was to know Christ, to, to see him in the fullness of who he is. Not the, not the Jesus that is a means to an end and helps to be, obtain content, contentment when that happens, but to have the fullness of him satisfy me. To know him and to go, Father, I'm content because you are enough. And the last two, two scriptures, um, it says in John 6.35, he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Or could you can come up, please. <laughs> um, Psalm 107 says, for he satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Yeah, and so in summary, those key those questions is what is God holding before you now? Are you experiencing a, a discontentment because you're just waiting for, for a season or a time to pass, but you're unable to see God in the now? What are you holding on to? Is there maybe a discontentment because you haven't seen that promise or prophecy come to pass yet, but, but you've actually stopped asking God, what does that look like? And he's, he's saying he wants to satisfy your soul. He wants to give you good things, those promises and those prophecies and those dreams and those visions to have big businesses and make an impact and change the world and have orphanages. And that's from him but not at the cost of compromising the infilling now. Maybe you, there's a deep void in your heart for Christ. There's a deep void in your heart for love. And you just, you're trying to fill it with something else. And I grew up with my father that. Um, left when I was six months old. So by the time I got saved at 19, there was just this God-filled hole, this father-filled hole, this love-filled hole. There was such a need inside of me to be loved. There was such a need. And it's funny, they say, do not drink wine in excess, but that's what I did. (laughs) I used to drink a lot of alcohol to numb the pain and the hurt and the rejection and the abandonment and the shame and the guilt and the confusion. 
to the point where God actually said to me, I want you to give up alcohol for the rest of your life. You see, something isn't bad in itself, but when it replaces Jesus, then we have to question. And it took me three years to be obedient. I said, surely, God, you're not really asking me to not drink alcohol never in my life again. (laughs) But that day when I confessed to Stefan, a month before we got engaged, God said, I've been patient, I've been gracious, but this is something that you can't hide from him. And I said to Stefan, God has actually told me three years ago that I can't drink alcohol. And when I made that decision in obedience to his will, the contentment and the satisfaction, that's not for everyone, but you know what your thing is. <laughs> you know what that thing is that you're, you're experiencing satisfaction from? I know that the, it was the best decision I could ever make. I, I haven't had a desire for alcohol, but I know that the fruit that came from it was so much greater. So I want to encourage you that that obedience to what God is asking you to let go of, that thing he's asking you to give to him, there's something beautiful on the other side. But we have to trust that he is good. We have to believe that he's not just taking away for the sake of it, but that he's actually saying, I want to be the king of your heart. Because when you drink from me, you will never thirst again. I'm the only one that truly satisfies. And something else God had to do with me specifically was in the area of men. In the area of just, and it's it's men with women. It's, you know, it's that thing of, do you think a quick fix experience you know let me just quickly satisfy myself let me quickly physically satisfy myself let me quickly satisfy myself with another text or another engaging in something that I know is not healthy and I used to do that I used to to long for the loving of a man and God Jesus took me to a point where he said, Lauren, I am your husband. He said, Lauren, no love will satisfy like my love. And I can say being married for five years, Jesus still holds me that before me. (laughs) Because I know if I don't have that as the forefront of my contentment and my satisfaction of knowing Jesus, I will... I will always compromise (laughs) or I won't be willing to obey the higher call. And that's why I started off with what I shared about being content and giving that gift of being present to your children. Because God's ways are different to our ways. We'll see things in a certain way. But he says, he who wants to be great, let him be the slave. He who wants to be first, let him be last. 
Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve. And what God is really challenging me in that moment, he's saying, are your two boys enough for you to lay down all your time and serve them and love them and be present with them? And the beauty is that when I say I'm satisfied, I become one of them. And we have so many amazing memories and we... It's the most joyful thing. It's like I'm able to enjoy that thing that I was created to do. <laughs> it's no burden. It's no difficulty. But I'm able to say, God, you know all the rest. You know everything else. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com.